Just a real estate episode number 328. I didn't even think about it, but you know, when I was growing up, I had the you know car washing business, and then I had a, a lawn business called uh, the Lawn Barber Incorporated. We weren't <laughs> nice. we weren't actually incorporated, but that was that was the title. <laughs> no, <I'm- laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you for joining me here on Just Our Real Estate. I am so excited to have you here today. I'm excited to be with you. And uh, man, I just can't tell you how appreciative I am that you have chosen to spend time with me. There's a lot of ways that you can be productive and a lot of things you can do with your time. And the fact that you're choosing to spend part of your day with me means a lot to me. And I definitely do not take it for granted. I am really excited also to bring this episode to you today. It's a good one. I really think you're going to love it. And the name of the game here is to deliver really great information, stuff that you can take action on, stuff that you can apply to your business and really utilize to get you to where you want to be in your real estate business. And I think we've accomplished that today. Before we get started, though, I want to talk about a company that I am super excited about. This is like the greatest find of the 21st century in my business. Uh, These guys have been directly responsible for a real spike in in my sales and my bottom line. The company I'm talking about is uh, AdWords Nerds, and these guys are awesome. Dan Barrett runs the company, and just a super cool guy. I mean, I I think we're almost like... I think we're friends. I hope we're friends. We're getting to be friends. He is helping me just explode my business. These guys are the only fully certified Google partners that work expressly and exclusively with real estate investors like you and me. Um, It's just, they're, they're amazing. They're a proprietary in-house AdWords system and they work just with real estate guys, you know, like, like we are. And I can tell you from my business, I, uh, I'm working with Dan and, and I basically have hired him to help me find motivated sellers in my market, right? When people type in, sell my house fast or whatever, uh, it's Dan's job to make sure that my website comes up on top. And let me tell you, they do. Month one, we we it was directly responsible for tens of thousands of dollars worth of business in my company. Month one, they're an A plus rated Better Business Bureau company, and it's just they're a hundred percent transparent, super client focused. I mean, Dan is like the best guy ever, and I'm telling you, the results are nothing short of amazing. They don't lock you into a long term contract; it's month to month, so you're free to leave at any time, and exclusively for you guys, my listeners. They will give you an hour of coaching time, which is normally $297. That's what they charge for an hour of consultation. They are going to give you that for free. You cannot, you, you can't not do that. Go check them out, guys. It's adwordsnerds.com forward slash Mike, or you can go to juststartrealestate.com on the right hand side. Click on the AdWords Nerds banner. It'll take you to their site. You'll get that exclusive hour of of coaching time and consultation, absolutely free. 
I know once you talk to these guys, you are going to decide just like I did. You have to have this in your business, guys. People are searching the internet, looking for you more and more every single day. And if you're not there for them, they're going to go to the guy who is hiring Dan to run their AdWords campaign. You don't want to lose out on that business. You certainly don't want to miss out on the opportunity to explode your business like I have. Go check them out, adwordsnerds.com forward slash Mike, or go to just our real estate, click on the AdWords Nerds banner. They'll take you right there. You are going to thank me. Okay, let's get into the show. All right, guys, thank you for joining me here on Just Start Real Estate. I'm excited to be here with you. I'm excited to have my guest on. This is a guest who was a recommendation, which is always the best. Sometimes I reach out to people who I don't know really, really well, but I, you know, I know that they're doing some good things in real estate. I always like it when I get a recommendation or someone says, hey, you you really need to talk to this guy. You need to have him on your show. Uh, he's doing some cool stuff. He's a good guy. I think he'd be a great guest. And when I get a guy like Justin Williams you know, suggesting to me that that I get someone on the show, I really pay attention because Justin is my boy. I like him. We're friends. I know he knows what he's talking about. And when he tells me you need to interview this guy, uh, I get on it pretty quickly. So <laughs> I'm excited to have my guest on today. So I've got on the line here with me, Danny Pitcher. Uh, Danny's an investor in Charleston, South Carolina market. He graduated from college in 2002, uh, got out of job right out of, I'm sorry, I should say got a job right out of college as a, a bike taxi driver, which is kind of cool. I want to find out about that driving tourists around the Charleston area. So he did that for a while. And then fast forward a couple of years later, he started his real estate company on a bike, on that bike, listening to podcasts and reading tons of books. And he sent his first marketing piece out in 2015. And that, that first marketing piece that he sent out in 2015, he kind of considers that his official start date, which makes sense, right? That's sort of when he invested the time and the money to get started. So started in 2015 officially and got his first deal about four to five months after pouring every dime he had into the business. He quit his job immediately and put all that money back into the business. And his business has taken off from there. So talk about burning the boats and and just you know giving yourself no out. That's exactly what he did. Hey, Danny, it's nice to have you on the show. I appreciate you doing this, man. It, it's exciting to talk to you. How's it going? I'm doing well, Mike. It's uh, it's my pleasure. Your podcast is definitely one of the uh, the first and probably one of the only ones I actually remember when I was when I was on that <laughs> bike listening to. <laughs> That's cool. Well, it's very cool to hear. Actually, I appreciate that. That's awesome. Did it help? Was it was it useful? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's so many podcasts out there now, and I didn't limit myself just to real estate, but sure, uh, I think sure. yours and Justin's and maybe, you know, one or two others were the only ones I think I probably went down and, you know, I think I listened to them all. So nice, nice. No, that's cool. Man. I I do the same thing all the time. I'm constantly learning and I have a, you know, a Rolodex of podcasts, um, like you said, real estate and non-real estate that I listen to all the time to, to help me, help my business personally, professionally, whatever. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of good stuff out there. And I appreciate you saying that you listen of mine. That's awesome, man. So let's hear a little bit more. So let's go. I want to go back. Uh, we don't necessarily have to, but I want to go back to the the bike taxi driver. That's cool. I live in <laughs> I live in Detroit, and there is no such thing as a bike taxi driver. Uh, nor would anyone want to do that. Um, and it gets you know pretty darn cold here. So tell me a little bit about how did you get that job? How did that transpire? Um, I guess that was uh, right when I graduated college. That was 2012. Um, I had a couple friends doing it. And, uh, I guess, you know, I was, I was kind of working at a hotel, which I hated in, uh, you know, like you said, it, it gets cold in the wintertime here. We're, we're kind of a beach town, but I was working at kind of a beach hotel and, uh, 
I would say past like August, you know, starts to slow down October. That place was, it kind of reminded me of the shining, you know, <laughs> there's just no one there, you know, until late, late February or, or March and you're not making any money. So I started doing the bike taxi and, uh, I was a real fitness minded guy, uh, already. So I, I really, you know, fell in love with it at first. Uh, I get to be outside all day. You didn't have to, I'm, I just, I realized I was not an office guy. I, uh, graduated and I kind of, kind of realized that pretty quick that I didn't really see myself in a, in a nine to five and just wanted to kind of struggle along until I, I figured something out. What'd you get your degree in just out of curiosity? I was a political science major. <laughs> political science major. Yeah. yeah. So some, for someone who doesn't want an office or that kind of environment, that probably, uh, that was where you were going to end up, I guess, with that degree. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was originally a business major in, uh, the calculus. I could not get over the calculus <laughs> hump, man. Um, <laughs> somehow I'm, I'm like good with uh, usable math, but, uh, the calculus couldn't, I couldn't compute. I know that's the thing too. Like, you know, people tell you, you know, you'll use this when you get older. I, I took calculus in college. I, I don't use calculus ever. Um, but hopefully no kids listening do well in calculus, but I don't think you're going to actually use it in your real life, but yeah. that's funny. That's too funny. So you did that for a while. So when did you start, like what made you even interested in, in listening, start listening to podcasts like mine and Justin's like, where did that come from? That desire to learn about real estate? I had a, uh, I guess an entre entrepreneurial mindset from, you know, kind of early on, which it didn't kind of, I didn't even think about it, but you know, when I was growing up, I had the, you know, car washing business and then I had a, a lawn, a lawn business called, uh, the lawn barber incorporated, you know, <laughs> nice. We were, we weren't actually incorporated, but that was, that was the title. <laughs> no. That's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I had kind of looked into starting a couple other businesses and just I couldn't even pro forma them to make any money. And then I had uh, I got introduced to a guy in a coffee shop and he was on bigger pockets. He was he was kind of more in the buy and hold mindset. But I started just kind of I think that was maybe the first real estate podcast was bigger pockets. I listened to, you know, 120 of those. I think you might have been on there and that might have yeah. been where I found you from. Okay. Yep. I was. And, yeah. uh, and I, I've got kind of a family background in real estate and I just never uh never really thought about it before. And I started reading about it. And, I, you know, I kind of, at the same time, I started reading Tony Robbins books and I just got overwhelmed with motivation and then just made the decision. And just, I spent probably eight weeks in the college library learning. I guess I, it was pretty funny. I had some people that thought I was in med school. <laughs> all these years. And, uh, That's awesome. So, yeah, you're, sent, out yeah. first, sent out the first marketing piece, uh, <laughs> you know, two months later and that was it. That's awesome. That that's very cool. So I got it. You're 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 learning about real estate. You're listening to it while you're on your bike, um, reading <laughs> reading tons of books like a med student, basically hanging around so long. Um, you the first guy you talked to you said was a buy and hold guy. So in, in real estate, I'm sure everyone listening pretty much knows. And if you don't, yeah, I mean there's there's more than one ways to skin a cat, right? Some people are landlords and they have you know tons of you know hundreds of, of different houses or apartments or doors, whatever you want to call them, units. And, and that's just the way they like to roll. Some people are way into house flipping. Some people are more wholesalers. Um, and there's a lot of ancillary things around those. But what made you choose the direction in real estate that you chose? Like, what was it about it that attracted you? Um, I, I guess it's kind of a low barrier to entry. Um, you know, it was something that I, you know, I could start my own business. I didn't need to interview for any jobs or, you know, I just kind of since I had a job and, I, you know, I was making OK money for being just out of college. I had that time 
to kind of figure it out. And I've kind of realized I have a, a short attention span if it doesn't interest <laughs> me, but if it interests me, I get all the attention in the world. Yeah. And I just, I never even gave it a second thought. Cool. So why don't you tell everybody what type of investing do you do? What's your, what's your preferred mode at this point? I, I, well, I had started out wanting to get into the rehabbing and wasn't really aware of the wholesaling until I heard a podcast on it. So I, I dive kind of deeper into that, but um, I learned very quickly. And I think this is probably the best piece of advice that I got is that finding the deal is the foundation of your business. And it's really hard to run an actual business that is consistent and generates income for you if you do not have a marketing machine kicking out discounted real estate. Absolutely. So, you, so you're doing wholesaling primarily or exclusively? I actually have got my first rehab underway right now, but um, I've kind of realized that wholesaling's got to be the foundation of your business. And, and whether you you know you wholesale the deals or not, you've you've got to have that coming into your you know into your marketing streams. And that's kind of what I wanted the foundation of my business to be was just generating leads that are discounted, and you almost figure out what to do with them later. Yeah. So for those of you listening. Uh- I, I don't like to assume that anyone knows, you know, everything or that everyone knows everything we're talking about. So wholesaling, <clears throat> what Danny's talking about and what, frankly, I do for my business is basically you're, you're marketing or generating leads that are coming in, whether that's postcards or something online or bandit signs or whatever your mode of bringing these leads in. People call you from your marketing. Uh, you go out, secure a purchase agreement and then sell or assign that purchase agreement to an end user who's typically going to be uh, a house flipper or a landlord type person that that need that was looking for a deal, and then you're you're marking that price up in between and just collecting what they call an assignment fee for finding the deal and then assigning or selling that contract to another investor. So that's what wholesaling is. So w- let's talk about. So you're doing mostly wholesaling. You got your first you know flip that you're starting now. Tell me a little bit about your business and how how it looks right now. Is it just you? Do you have employees? Do you use VAs? What how how does your business run? Um, I've I've got one employee. She works about I would say probably 30, 35 hours a week, and that is uh, getting her up to speed uh, into more hours and doing more high leverage tasks is kind of paramount to me right now. And unfortunately, I, I feel like I had things outsourced pretty well. And then I think I, you know, more than doubled my marketing reach within the last few months and, you know, systems start to collapse a little bit. Uh, so, so maybe some of the work she's doing right now, she's a little overqualified for. So I probably need to hire another person and get her into more of a, uh, I want her to kind of take the reins on the marketing. Um, you know, she's helping me out, but if, if I'm not there to give her a specific assignment, you know, nothing happens. So I, I, I really need to, to fine tune that machine a little bit better. Okay. So right now, just one person is working for you about 30, yeah, 35 I, hours and she answers phones. Is that what she's doing? No, she's doing, um, pretty much cleaning up all of the leads that I acquire. Um, she's managing, you know, I, I do everything through an Excel database. It's easy for me to understand, but she does a lot of tinkering with that and she executes the mail. Um, mail is how I do my business 100%. And I really wanted to keep all of that in, in-house, never outsource that completely. And um, so she kind of executes that mail plan. When you say not outsource it, do you mean you literally print your own mail pieces or what do you mean by not outsourcing your, your marketing? Yes, we, we do all of our own pieces, um, all the marketing copy. You know, I, I never wanted... I, my main objective there with the mail is to be different. I don't want it to look like anyone else's mail and I want it to look authentic and, uh, you know, maybe 
maybe just drive that message home a little bit harder. And I just never wanted to really get rid of that to just some company that where I'm one of, you know, 10,000, you know, people subscribing to their service. So you're printing your stuff in house coming out of your own printers. Is that what you're saying? Or correct? Or, okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Wow. So how many mail pieces approximately are you sending out a month? Uh, right now, I, my, my short term goal is to get that to a consistent 2000. So I would say right now, I'm at about 1700. And my, my biggest obstacle is that we are in kind of a smaller market here. So I'm kind of at the point where I, I wouldn't say I'm maxed out on the mail, but I'm kind of either got to make a decision to mail some properties that either wouldn't provide me with, um, you know, as great a return, maybe some some CD areas that I, I don't really want to work or do I expand to a different market? Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you're sending out approximately 2,000, 1,700, whatever mail pieces. So I ask stuff that I know people are, are asking in their heads. So I'm going to ask it. You can tell me to back off anytime you want. How many deals does, does 2,000 mail pieces a month produce in your market? How many approximately, how many deals are you doing a week, a month, a year? I don't care how you break it down. Uh, I'd say about 0.75 deals per month. <laughs> 0.75. Okay. A quarter of a deal. All right. So that's uh, a month. So that means in the last year you've done 10 or something or something like that. Eight to 10, somewhere in there. Right. Yeah. I think okay. I got my first deal was um, around Thanksgiving 2015. I think I've done about 10 total deals uh, between that and, and last year. Awesome. And like you, we were saying earlier, we were talking earlier before we got online here, it's like 13 months, right? Is that what you said? You've been in this business for like 13 months? Uh, since I got my first deal, correct? Yeah, since you got your first deal. So so for people who are saying, you know, hey, there's just really no way to get started in this economy, in this market or whatever, the election, like whatever the excuse is, it, you can, right? I mean, 13 months later, you've done 10 deals or whatever you said. So that's that's pretty awesome right there. There are people who do 10 deals in, you know, 10 years. It takes them forever. So um, yeah, I, I think that's phenomenal, man. I do. And I, I personally think wholesaling is, is the coolest way to go about it. For me, I did house flipping for a number of years and, and I loved it. But, uh, what I like about wholesaling is I like the immediacy of it. I like, I like the transactional nature of it. You don't hold houses for very long. It's very difficult to get burned by the economy because they're churning in and out so fast. And you're right. The whole thing boils down to is having a machine that spits out leads week in, week out, month in, month out so that you can, because once you have a lead, it's your decision what you're going to do with that, right? You can wholesale it. You can flip it. Um, you can hold it as a rental. Like you have all the options. And frankly, uh, I, I believe for the house flippers that are out there, if you find a great deal, you'll find the money will come, right? People will invest in great deals. People always try to find the money first. Like, I don't know where I'm going to get the money if I want to flip. I'm telling you, if you have a great deal and no one will fund it, no matter what you do or say, no one will fund it, you don't actually have a great deal you have probably a pretty crappy deal because nobody wants to fund it. So uh, good deals attract people. Uh, there's always money out there. So so don't let that be what stops you. So as far as your marketing goes, are, are you doing like yellow letters or postcards or some other unique, cool thing that you don't want to tell us? I'd say uh, everything but postcards. Um, you know, my, my main goal is that I, I want to think of a seller getting a letter and I want her you know, to notice mine out of the stack because it's 2017 letters are cool doing your own marketing. You know, that's how I, most people have realized that I, you know, I know that if she's got 10 letters in her hand, mine's going to stick out the most. And that's kind of the whole aim of me doing everything in house. 
All right. You're really you're really provoking me here to keep asking. So I got to ask, why is yours going to stick out? I get 10 letters from 10 investors. Is, your, is it color? Is it something else? Is there something bumpy in there? Like what what makes it stick out? You don't have to give us all of your secret sauce, but I'm just curious. Is it something physically like the, the coloring or something different? All, all the above, you know, any, any way I can. I could use psychology. Um, you know, I, I've got a grabber in there. So yeah, there's something bumpy in there. Um, color, I would say, you know, one, one thing I did was I, I bought a guy dinner that's a buy and hold investor and he gave me all the letters that he gets. And I'd say he gave me 12 letters and probably nine of them were a flesh colored invitation style envelope. And, and when I first started, mine was one of those nine. So I quickly had to get rid of that. And I, I think it really doesn't matter what you do as long as it's different. And you've seen, you saw a difference when you went from the flesh colored invitation style letter to what you're doing now, you saw a spike in leads. I did. Um, one thing now is I've just kind of known that that being consistent now, mine are so different that I don't even think someone needs to open mine anymore. They just see it come in the mail and it kind of registers who I am. And if they are in the circumstance that this is the time that they want to sell their house, they're going to, they're going to think of me first. Yeah, that's, that's super cool. Um, that's awesome, man. So, all right. So you're doing wholesaling, you're sending out, you know, these unique sort of, sort of mailers when the call comes in, I, I just want to kind of get back into your business a little bit. When the call comes in, um, who's, who's answering that call? I'm answering that call. Okay. You're answering the calls. And then, so when someone calls you, how much are you trying to vet them or how much are you trying to qualify them on the phone or how much of it is, Hey, let me get your information. I want to come out and get face to face with you. Like what is your philosophy there in terms of taking those calls? How much do you filter through the phone? I, I do quite a bit of filtering. I would say if I go on an appointment, I'd say there's probably an 80% chance I'm going to I'm gonna get that contract. Um, so I, I try not to go out there unless I know what they want for it and that it works for me. Um, you know, there's a couple exceptions to that. You know, if I've got, if I got a day and I'm not super busy, I'll, you know, I'll go see if I can make something happen. But uh, as a general rule, I need to figure out what they want for the property. And it's got to be, it's got to be reasonable for me to, to even go out there. Okay. So you go out there yourself. Is the goal when you go out there as a wholesaler, I'm, I'm just digging in because I'm a wholesaler. So I'm always interested in how other people do this. When you go out there as a wholesaler, you're, you walk in, hi, Mr. And Mrs. Seller. Are you trying to get that contract that I know there's a lot of different philosophies on this. Are you trying to get the contract before you leave or is that to you just a way to set up the relationship? How slow or fast do you take that process of trying to get the contract? I, I think that's kind of one thing that I don't know if you can systematize because I, I feel I always bring a contract. Um, right now, my philosophy is that I'm going to call, I'll say, Hey, Mr. Seller, I'm going to call you back at noon tomorrow if that works for you. And I'll let you know what my offer is. Uh, I've done both. It, you know, if there's a lot of competition, if they say, Oh, you're the third guy that has come in here and walked this house, I'd probably try and lock it up right there. Um, but I, I don't want to seem too eager. You know, if you try to throw a contract and I, and I feel like a lot of times they, they need to sleep on it anyways, or there's multiple decision makers. Um, but I, I found the next day that I call back and say, all right, you know, here's what we can do. I feel like that works best. Okay, cool. So you call them back over the phone and then I assume you go back out there to sign the contract or do you email them or have some sort of a cool electronic system? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing DocuSign for the most part, which is kind of the cool electronic system. I, I've done everything and just almost for my own personal benefit, you know, I've got a scanner that works only part time, you know, when it wants to. So I'd much rather not scan anything anymore. Yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. So, OK, so you send them a DocuSign, it comes back. 
so in our in our company, we've got someone who we call a closing coordinator. She handles all the title stuff. I, I'm assuming you have one person. I'll, I'll circle back to her for a minute. Who who handles getting that to title, or who handles getting that paperwork to the next step, whether it be an attorney or a title company? Who handles that? Yeah, we're in South Carolina. We use closing attorneys, so I've got one that you know I work pretty closely with. He's usually involved in pretty heavily in most of our deals because they are not. You know, I, I feel like there's not much low hanging fruit out there. So he's usually needed much more than just to close the deal. There's a lot of a lot of questions going back and forth. So I'll just get that contract. I ship it right to him and he kind of knows the drill by now. Okay, cool. So he handles that for you. Um so okay, so now he's working on that. You have it under contract. Your model is to now assign that contract. All right, that's a good that actually brings up a good question. When you sign your contracts with the sellers how do you determine or how do they know or when does that contract expire? Is there an, is there an actual expiration? Does it end? If you don't get it assigned or sold or whatever you're going to do by a certain date, do you lose that or how do you handle that? Uh, yeah, I, I'm not very aggressive when it comes to putting stuff under contract that is iffy. You know, I'm not one to say, oh, I'll tie this thing up and see if I can sell it or test the market and see how hot it is. If if I lock it up, I know it's a deal. And, and kind of the way I like to work and maybe I leave a little bit of money on the table is that I work very closely with a couple buyers. I don't use a huge buyer's list. You know, if it's a deal, it's a deal. One of those two to three buyers are going to buy it from me every time. Okay. So do you have a certain profit that you're looking for per deal or does it just depend on the deal? Do you have any arrangements with these buyers where you cap it off? I mean, I, I guess they could be listening. So I don't want to give all, <laughs> all, too much away, but I mean, do you do you kind of know what you're going to make on it as soon as you buy it or do you let the buyers sort of tell you what it's worth? How much cat and mouse do you play, I guess, with the price? I, I try not to because I think you know, you start to bid things back and forth, you might piss some people off. And, and, you know, we're in a real small town. And I don't want to be known as that guy that, you know, oh, you know, he offered me a and, you know, oh, he says he'll give me this or he'll give me that. I don't want to play that game. So um, I, I almost feel like as long as you have two people, you know, fighting for this deal, that's all the competition you really need. If you price it right, you know what it's worth. Cool. That makes sense. So you're working with a couple of these guys. Are they house flippers, landlords, a little bit of both? And I don't know your market. So I know in our market, it's sort of 50-50. Some deals are just straight up flips. They wouldn't work for a rental. Some of them, the opposite. They don't really work for flips, but they're great rentals, great returns. How does it work where you are? I'm seeing a lot less rental deals these days. Um, our market is super hot. You've got you know 30 people moving to Charleston every day. Prices are kind of at that frothy point where it's getting a little scary, and it just you know in some outskirts areas it makes sense to hold stuff. But now, like I, I can't imagine. You know, I see people do it all the time. I don't know why they're holding the stuff they do because it should be flipped. But I try to kind of have a buyer for each area and, you know, each need. I've got a couple guys that do buy and holds. I've got a guy that'll do new construction. I got a guy that, you know, flip stuff. Cool. So uh, you're, you're just using an assignment contract, I assume, right? To, to sell these or, or is there some other method? Are you double closing them? How do you, how do you typically close these? I started, I, I assigned the small stuff and then I, you know, I had a couple nice deals yeah. that I double closed and then kind of looking back, I was just kind of afraid of the, um, you know, the unknown on that deal. So, you know, but I look back through last year and I, I probably spent 20 grand on uh, extra closing costs that I really did not need to spend. Yeah. Yeah. Just, okay. I get you. So for people listening, like in our business, I'll, I'll say this, if we have 
and I'm not saying this is what Danny's talking about or what his price points are, but in our market, if we're going to make, you know, $20,000 or more, we typically double close them just because it gets a little dicey and people start, you know, the buyers sometimes start second guessing your pricing going forward if they see that you're making, you know, good money, which is crazy because on their end, I don't care if they make way more than I thought they were going to make. You know, for me, I don't I don't change my pricing, but um, I know sometimes when the price points get high, people will double close or sometimes they do it for other reasons. But uh, in our world, usually it's if it's going to if it's going to be too too much of a, an assignment deal or if there's a gap between when the seller has to close and when the buyer can close. If there's a few days, we'll we'll take it down ourselves and then just re- resell it. So, um, OK, cool. So in, in where you are, then do you typically go to the closings or do you, if you if you assign them, do you actually go to the closings or just let the buyers and the sellers go? I generally just let the buyers and the sellers go. You know, it's almost like you're waiting in the waiting room for like your firstborn or something because you really, you know, you, you don't have anything to sign. And yeah, um, yeah. I, I've kind of thought about it. I've got, you know, we had a, I kind of formed a great relationship with this, uh, the seller. We've got this deal closing on Friday and I'm like, man, I kind of want to be there, you know, but um, I, I generally just, I send them, they go at different times and, and everything works out. And then I, uh, you know, I go later to, to pick up my check. Yeah. Okay. So you stagger them. They're not in the room at the same time together, the buyers and the sellers. They are sometimes, which I don't particularly like, but, uh, you know, if you, if you play the deal right the whole way through, it usually doesn't make a difference. Yeah, exactly. And you're working with these buyers over and over again. So they, they certainly know the drill and I'm sure they're not doing anything to, to make it an uncomfortable situation for you at the end of the day. So that's cool. Um, all right, cool. So I think I get your business. So You've been doing this not for super, super long, but in my opinion, you're definitely on the right track. You're doing everything. You're doing everything right. You're growing, and that's awesome. What are your goals for 2017? Where, where are you trying to, to be? Where do you want to end up? Or kind of what is your business going to look like at the end of the year if everything goes well? If everything goes well, I probably have at least one additional employee. I've got my current employee over 40 hours and kind of on autopilot, so I don't have to constantly be you know, kind of filling her to-do list, which is no fault of her own. But um, I've got a goal, you know, I've got a dollar goal in mind and I want to do uh, three rehabs. Okay. We don't have to say your dollar goal, but do you, is it correlated to a number of deals that you want to do? Is Can you back no. it into a, a deal number? No? Okay. No, I, when I when I first started, you know, it took me a while to get that first deal, but all of a sudden I got deals like one through three pretty quick. And so my goal for last year was 36 deals. Okay. 30, okay. All right, cool. So I, you know, I kind of my, my dollar goal for this year is three fifty. Okay. Um, oh, good. I got you to say it. I'm so happy. I was yeah. hoping I could. Okay. No, that's <laughs> awesome. I mean, that's that's huge, right? I mean, that's believe me. There are so many people listening right now, going, "Oh, I would kill to do that. It'd be awesome." Like, y- y- you always feel like where you are. I don't know if you're this way, but I I'm definitely this way. I know a lot of people are. Wherever you are, you're so not impressed with yourself because you know where you want to be, and then when you get there. You're like, eh, this is this is awesome, but I I really want to be here. Like, I do the I I'm constantly kicking that can down the road. So I'm where I'm at is never that impressive to me. It would have been a year before, but you always have to. And hopefully, this isn't the case for you because it's almost like a sickness that I can't enjoy where I'm at. I'm always like looking for the next goal, but you definitely need to try to, to try to be excited about where you are. Where you are is awesome. Your goal is awesome, and and if you get there man celebrate that's that's all i can say is is allow yourself that time to really enjoy it so 
Yeah, it's it's kind of funny you say that. I'm I'm the same way, you know. If if I make thirty grand on a deal, the only thing I'm thinking about is probably the two grand that I could have slid out of it, you know, beyond that. And that's I should probably add that to my goals list is kind of, you know, sit back and enjoy the present because that's I'm the same way. All I like it doesn't even matter. I'm thinking so far down the road that uh, you know, I, I, I hit my twelve month goals like the day, you know, it was twelve months and I hit my my 12 month goal after that. And then, so hopefully I can hit this one, but I, I need to enjoy the small victories a little bit more or realize, you know, <laughs> we're, we're all in this business. It's a pretty good spot. You know, I'm, I'm in my living room right now and it could, things could, things could be worse. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. You could be like a, a political scientist right now or a math or business, you know, sitting in some cubicle in some office somewhere. So yeah. absolutely. No, that's cool, man. I'm glad. And I appreciate you sharing your goals. I, I think that's super inspirational for people to know how long you've been in this and where you're at and, and where you, where you plan to be. And I'm, I'm sure you'll get there. Absolutely. So if you had to start over again, right, just wipe the slate clean, start over, you didn't do anything. You, you know what you know now, but if you could go back, it's not been that long, but would you do anything differently? Were there any things that anything that you didn't do or should have done or maybe wish you didn't do? Yes. I, uh, the first neighborhood I marketed is my own and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's downtown Charleston, which is where I live. Um, it's a very high price market. It's very competitive. It's kind of where the big dogs are. And I sent out my first list of marketing there is probably, you know, 300 names, got a few calls, didn't do any deals. And then I just kind of assumed that I was not good enough to play in this realm. And I would say the fear, which was so stupid looking back, because a lot of those people I marketed, you know, ended up selling to investors and you just, you got to go where the, you know, where the big fish are. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. Right. They're, they're there for a reason. They're not there because there's nothing going on. So no, that's cool. That's good advice. Don't be afraid. I, I think people do that a lot, right? They they start second guessing everything and, and well, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not been doing it long enough. And they get that, you know, some people call it that, um, boy, what do they call that? Like you're, you feel like a pretender or whatever. Like you feel like I don't know enough to be doing this, but you, you do, you really do a lot of times and in, in what you don't know, you know, you can get by. You don't have, in other words, don't feel like you have to know everything. You, you just don't. You don't have to be, a, you know, like you said, a big dog to advertise, go out, talk to these people and get things under contract. You just don't. Honestly, I find that most people sell to or, or do business with people that they like and trust. They don't care if you've done 100 deals or if you've done one deal. If you can go in there and create a, 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 you know, make some sort of a, a connection and, and listen to them and truly care. And, you know, all the things they talk about when you're in sales, it, you, you do that in a genuine way, you'll have success. You'll, you'll do just fine. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I, uh, I almost think sometimes the inexperience might lead you to grab a few more deals if it might make you a little bit more relatable to your uh, average seller. Yeah, I, I agree, man. You go in there with a suit on and you're too polished and you have every answer and, you know, everything sounds perfect. You're right. It, some people don't necessarily trust that. It's a little weird when someone is that good, you know. So I think it makes sense to be, like you said, just a little bit more vulnerable, a little, a little new or unsure of yourself or, hey, I'm not really sure, but I'll find out. Like, believe it or not, people get think they screw up when they do that. But that's a lot of times the secret sauce. I mean, that's what makes people trust you. Right. I totally agree. 
a lot of times that comes up with, you know, title, title questions or legal issues, or if it's a probate, you know, I say, you know, I don't know, but I'll, I'll figure out the answer and call you back. Yeah, exactly. It totally, exactly. I used to go out, like, I'm not really like, I'm not a salesperson. That's not really my, my forte and I'm not great at it. But what I always did was I just went out there and all I was trying to doing, uh, trying to do was be maybe likable. And a lot of times, um, the people that I was buying from or, or the sellers that I were that I was talking to were older, quite a, quite a bit older than me. And I always just like went in there and tried to be like their favorite grandkid or, so, you know, like just be <laughs> listen to them and just be nice and be a real person and don't try to take advantage of them. And, you know, all that good stuff. And people people appreciate that. And, and I think it gets you a lot farther in a lot of businesses. But certainly in this business, in, in the, what we're talking about here, it's an asset to be a real relatable, you know, kind of a, a real person and not a ultra salesman. Right. Going in their power suits and, and, and high pressure. That's not really how you get the job done, in my opinion. I, I totally agree. I uh, I feel like Andy McFarland was kind of the one that, that this first registered from, but he, I think he calls it a seller vortex. But when if I've got a seller meeting, I have three hours at least blocked out on my calendar because it might not, you know, it might take 45 minutes, but I've been at houses all day sometimes because, you know, you sit down and, you know, a couple of times that, you know, they're like, oh, you want a beer? You're like, oh, I'll sit down and <laughs> yeah. hang out for a while. You don't have to just be in and out in 30 minutes. That's yeah. not the way, you know. Yep. It's not the way yeah. it should be done. No, you're right. And, and Andy is is awesome at that. He he definitely knows his stuff. Talk about a, a really good at, at what he does. So, yeah, you're right. It can take a while. You know, block out. Like, don't just look at it as I'm going to go in there and just you know beat these people up until they give me a contract. That's that's cool. Well, listen, man, I I appreciate you opening up about your business and and you know throwing out some personal numbers and things like that. I know it's always kind of weird to do, but I, I've gotten used to it now. I just blab everything. Like, I, I don't have any filter, but I know that's not how most people roll. So I do appreciate that a lot. If, if listening to this is, is is helpful to you, like then then take action, like talking to a guy like Danny, who's been doing this now for just over a year and, uh, and, and the cool things that he's doing and his goals and the way he's building his business is, is very cool. Don't just listen to that and, and just keep driving. Like, like take, take action. Like that's the best thing. The best advice I can give anybody is, is just take action. Don't stop thinking about it. Stop trying to be, you know, all knowing about this, just just take the action, take the first step and sort of put yourself out there. It's uncomfortable, but but that's what you have to do. I don't think everything that you do, Danny, um, week in and week out is super comfortable for you or, or fits right into your wheelhouse of things that you just are good at naturally. But um, but going out there and just putting yourself in that position and, and taking the action is what what I think is important. Yeah, totally agree. Cool, man. Well, listen, I appreciate your time. Uh, thanks for doing this. I uh, people don't know I, I we got canceled last week because I had some technical problems. So you were cool enough to to reschedule. And I, I really appreciate you doing that. And uh, good luck on your business, man. I'm I'm excited for you this year. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be following you here and just seeing what you're <laughs> up to. And uh, you know, I'm here if you need anything. So don't be afraid to reach out. But uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate you doing this. Yeah, thank you. You know, it's cool to come on here. I was I was happy to do it, especially considering I was just listening to this podcast, you know, 18 months ago, trying to scribble down some notes. <laughs> awesome. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I will I will talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thanks, Mike. All right. Yep. Bye bye. 
All right, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I think you did. I know that I really enjoyed presenting it to you and I really enjoyed giving you this content and I hopefully it's something that you can take something from, right? That's the whole idea here. If you can take one concept, one idea, one strategy, one thing that you heard and apply it to your business to make it better, then I will consider what I've done here a success. Now to that end, I do wanna to talk to you for a moment. I've kind of alluded to it in this episode and, and past episodes. I can tell you this, guys, uh, I used to be a little bit anti-coaching, a little bit anti-education. And part of it's because there's a lot of really kind of cheesy educators out there that really don't deliver any any real great uh, uh, material or advice or direction. And maybe they haven't even been doing real estate in a number of years, right? They're just sort of like recycling techniques that they were been talking about for decades. But I will tell you, I have completely changed my philosophy. It wasn't that I didn't think education was important, but I just thought, eh, I can I can do it without it. I don't need anybody's help. I can figure it out on my own. And I can tell you after about four or five years of struggling and trying to figure things out and just not being able to do that, once I decided to invest my time and my money in education, Everything changed for me, and I'm telling you, everything changed for me. Uh, the business skyrocketed, right? They talk about the hockey stick effect, right? When you're looking at a graph and it's like it goes up like a hockey stick, that's exactly what my business did, and it made me understand fully and finally that what I was lacking in my business is education. And guys, I really want to be there for you when it comes to education. Hopefully, this podcast is delivering some good education to you, uh, but sometimes you need a little bit more. Sometimes you need a little bit more direct you know, coaching and someone to kind of come in and look at your business specifically and not give you generalities or just kind of general concepts, which Let's be let's face it. Free information has to be sort of general because we're not working one on one, right? So this podcast, I can't give everybody listening specific guidance on their business on the podcast because it just wouldn't apply to everyone necessarily, right? So what I would like to propose and what I'd like to make available is coaching one-on-one -on -one coaching for you, right? That may take on various forms and, and you may be in different places, right? So the best thing that I can do for you is allow you to schedule time with me to talk about your business, just a free consultation, right? 15, 20 minutes maybe. Talk about your business and find out if there's some way or some thing that's missing in terms of maybe coaching or maybe it's just a little concept or some little thing that you can tweak but oftentimes coaching and, and higher education is the way to go. And I know it was for me and I resisted it for years because I just didn't, I was honestly, I was being cheap and I, and I was kind of thinking I could just do it on my own. I realized I couldn't, I got the help that I needed and wow, I'm telling you the difference is, is phenomenal. I mean, hockey stick effect times, times 10. So what I'd like to do, if you go to my website and, and click on the left-hand side there, there's a banner that says, talk to me about coaching and there's no obligation. You know, I'm not trying to, you know, force you into anything, but I'd like to have a chance to talk to you one-on-one -on -one and see if education makes sense for you. And if there's something I can do to help you or some good fit that we can, that we can come up with, 
I'd like to do that, guys, because I really want to see you succeed. The podcast is awesome, and I think it gives you some little tips and things that you can take away. But if you really want to take your business to the next level and you don't want to wait years and years and years and do trial and error and make your mistakes and all that, if you want to bypass a lot of that and really turbocharge things, go to my website, click on that banner that says talk to me about education, and uh, I'll hop on the phone with you for a few minutes and we'll talk about it and see if anything makes sense, guys. So for now, that's it for, for this episode, but go out there and really take life by the horns and just just take your business on and, and just kill it in 2017, guys. Okay, until next time, if investing in real estate is your dream, there's only one way you can make it a reality. Just start. <laughs> Thank you.